Welcome to the Atypical Rainbow. I'm Paul. And I'm Grant. And this is another episode in the series of His and History, where we recount uh, the birth and origin stories of our children, Matt and Jake. Uh, Today's episode is entitled India and Back Again. So this is the sort of first first few weeks after their birth. I think I'll throw over to Grant because he, (laughs) I wasn't actually in India for the first few days. Uh, yeah, so when the boys were born, I was in India. I was in the hospital lobby, which is probably not where you normally are when your children are born. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't like to do anything conventionally. So the boys were born through C-section, which I think I mentioned last time. And then I went and met them in the operating room just after they'd been born. And I tell the boys that Jake was crying and Matt was staring at me like a weirdo. <laughs> and they like that story. this day, yeah. <laughs> so their personalities were already there. <laughs> um, unfortunately, there was some problems um, with paperwork and stuff, not with the kids overly. So I had to leave them at the hospital while I went back to the hotel and they stayed in special care nursery for the night. And then... The next day I came and we were able to basically move to a hotel room on top of the hospital where um, me and the kids could stay and we would be part of the doctor's rounds and we had access to a nurse, well, nurses. Which I think they're doing a lot more in Australia now. Like I'm pretty sure there's one next to um, Monash Hospital in Clayton. So the idea being that, yeah, it's a... It's a semi, semi-comfortable hotel. I think in Australia, actually, it's more for relatives to be nearby if they don't want to sleep next to the bed. But it, yeah, the, the idea being... So we got um, hospital meals and we got nursing staff to assist us. The room was clean on our behalf, but it, it, we weren't really being treated for anything. Uh, the kids... Actually, no, sorry. I take that back. The kids um, had some mild jaundice for which they got some phototherapies. That's a light therapy, but it wasn't anything intensive. Yeah, so um, Matt had a quite a low birth weight of 1.6 kilo. So in Australia, he would also uh, not have come home. <laughs> mm. uh, he probably would have ended up in the special care nursery. Uh, so when I told Paul that his, what his birth weight was and that they were thinking about letting me have them, he's like, no, no, don't let them. <laughs> don't take them. They're not ready. <laughs> I'll be there as soon as I can. Yeah, I had, I had both too much and too little knowledge at that point. Um, so, yeah, so Paul and his mum arrived 30 hours after I took custody of them, I think. Or 30 hours after they were born, I can't remember which one. I can't remember. I think it was after they were born. Oh, no, actually, because at what point did the kids get transferred? Because they got transferred away and then back into the hospital, didn't oh, they? I think, I think Matt got transferred out of the hospital and back in. I think Jake didn't get transferred from... I think he stayed in the hospital he was in. Yeah, so Gr- so Grant didn't tell me until much, much, much later. Like, not even during the trip. I'm talking, like, when the kids were single digits of years age. That uh, at some point... That, that Matt, because of his low birth weight, had been uh, transferred from hospital to hospital. But this is all before I'd gotten there. So by the time I got the news about the kids, I think I had to do a mad scramble to get a trip to... To get a ticket to India. Because I had just... I, might have I think you were doing you you were trying to get a ticket to India, um, but your mum was still also trying to get her visa. Mm. So I think that's why it was probably a mad scramble. But even then, though, like I can't even remember how far into my break you knew they were being born by C section. It was a scheduled birth, mm. so you would have known before that, like 
probably the day before they were born, that they were going to be born that day. Oh, yeah, fair enough. This is what this is what happens, guys. I have a terrible memory for certain things and a great memory for random nonsense, which <laughs> makes me an excellent trivia team member and not so great at remembering the significant events in my life. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think I had them for 30 hours. Like, obviously, you know, I was still in the um, room in the hospital, so I had nurse staff. Ner- the nurses fed Matt originally, and I would feed Jake. So I was learning how to feed Jake, and because he was bigger... They gave me the like less tricky baby to learn how to feed. <laughs> yeah. And I even distinctly remember with Matt, like, I can't remember how much we had to give him, but we obviously we had to give them formula and we made it up in a bottle. And it was like something, some ridiculous amount, like 20 or 30 mils. And I thought, this isn't going to be enough. But then you, you, I looked at Matt and his sort of frog-like body with a tiny skinny splayed legs and little skinny body. I thought, oh, okay, maybe this will be enough. Yes, I, I remember, like, he was adorable and I loved him, but he didn't look like a human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, because he was just bones with skin on top of it. Mm. He had, like, no weight whatsoever. And I'd seen babies, like, the day they were born, but I'd never seen a prem baby like this. Mm. And be- Yeah, and because, like, Jake was a kilo bigger than him, but also quite tiny for a baby. So Jake was quite tiny, but Matt was really, really tiny. Mm. One of my uh, favorite photos that I've got is when I'd gotten to India. I can't remember what happened. I hadn't I hadn't fallen asleep, but I was dozing, and I had. I'm pretty sure it was Jake just lying on my chest, mm-hmm. and I'm not a. I'm pretty average in size. I'm about five foot seven, and just sort of having just if you when you compare my sort of mass compared to him, kind of lying, on my chest, it, was, it took up very little room on my body, and it's adorable, but. It also kind of highlights the fact that, yes, he was... For 36 weeks, I guess he was a twin, you know. He was still quite small. Yeah, I, I think... I, I don't I don't remember much about that time other than the fact that it was... It was incredibly stressful because we'd actually booked a hotel. Granted, had been staying in a hotel the days before the birth. And I think we'd made all these plans to... All of us to stay in the hotel. And the hotel yeah. was, to put it mildly, a piece of crap. Um, while the hospital was brand spanking new. And even though it was a hospital, it wasn't particularly, like, hospitally. Like, it wasn't too noisy. They weren't, they weren't checking on us every, you know, 15 minutes, check out blood pressure of the kids. It was just, they came in, maybe, the nurse came in maybe once or twice a day. There were cleaners once a day. So it was very, much more hotel-like than anything. And I was actually really grateful that we ended up there anyway. Yes, it was more expensive, a lot more expensive, but... It was, I think, ultimately the better place to be. Yeah, I think your mum stayed at the original hotel Mm. where I'd been staying for a little bit. And then we got an apartment. But we also didn't realise how long it took to get from one side of Mumbai to the other. Yeah. uh, Because the traffic is so slow. And I remember in Mumbai, so there's the the classic cliche of how, um, you know, traffic in India is kind of insane. No one really acknowledges roads and everyone kind of crowds in but with a great deal of skill like these these cars do not crash into each other at least not while we were there but one of the things i found hilarious is that because we were on one side of the city like a hotel's on one side of the city and the hospital was on the other i remember that there's this toll bridge that goes over the river and crosses between the two parts of the city and it's this beautiful toll bridge it looks very you know like the westgate kind of thing nice lanes all these big arches and even our taxi driver wouldn't even bother acknowledging the like the 
the line markers on the road. So we just sort of gradually veer left and right and left and right. And there was nobody else on the road. Like, we were the only ones there. And I thought, why? Like, why not just you have the option to... You, you don't need to weave around these lines. They're not... You know, it's not a driving test. Just go straight. It's okay. So, I, yeah, that I thought that was kind of odd. <laughs> Yeah, so we end up, um, when we were going to actually take the kids from the hospital, we um, got recommended apartments nearby, which I think the hospital mainly like recommended to a lot of new parents. Was it the hospital or the lawyers? I thought the, the lawyers recommended it. Or were oh. well, they just aware of it? Because I can't remember when we started accessing the lawyers. I'm not sure. I thought it was the hospital that recommended it. But... Okay. Your memory's better than mine, so that's fine. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> Yeah, so, so yeah, we had an apartment and Paul's mum came and lived in the apartment with us. So it was basically a three-bedroom um, apartment. Mm. So there was, like, a so a bedroom that was going to be for me and Paul and the twins and a bedroom for Paul's mum and then a smaller bedroom to store everything. Um, but then we quickly discovered that the kids did not appreciate air conditioners blowing onto them. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, the third bedroom basically became their bedrooms and it basically just fitted the porter cot and the existing bed. So they got changed on the, the little bed, um, and slept in the porter cot. They were so tiny. They could sleep in the porter cot together and be nowhere near each other. Mm. <laughs> uh, and it was like right next door to us. Um, but Paul's mum would sneak in and steal them anyway. So yeah. sometimes we'd be like, where's this child? Oh, there it's in, <laughs> it's in with Paul's mum. <laughs> It, was, it did end up being a, a good arrangement, though, because you and I essentially did night shift, day shift. So I yep. was I would um, I would stay up at night and feed the kids and keep an ear out on them, and then I would go to sleep, and then Grant would take over, and it 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 just seemed to work for us. Obviously, you know, we had nothing else to do for for the whole time other than look after the baby. So it wasn't and like, paperwork and paperwork, which we obviously will get to at some point, uh, but. I thought it worked out okay. I I also and this is this is what happened. I remember really stupid stuff. I distinctly remember one evening I was uh, I was on a video chat with your parents. I think from just because they they wanted to in inverted commas see the kids. Um, and I, at one point because the video to, never worked on the video chat. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so they they just talked to the kids and the kids would just hear them. <laughs> yeah. 2011, pre pre Zoom coronavirus craze, uh, and so at one point they started they needed to be fed, and I can't remember what, why this happened, but you might have been asleep or Mum was asleep, or like it was just me, and so I had one kid in my lap, sort of in the crook between my legs feeding, and the other one was lying in the gap of the sofa cushions. So it, cause the, cause the way that the, the sort of the seat bit kind of sunk in the middle, it had this nice little ridge and I thought, okay, this will probably do. And so I'm just sitting there feeding them simultaneously one bottle in each hand. And I couldn't really do anything else while it was happening. So all your parents could hear was me just sitting there feeding the kids and the suckling noise. <laughs> I gotta know how long. Yeah. They didn't mind it, I think. Mm. But, uh, so Let's, the paperwork. So the paperwork to bring our kids home from India was kind of insane. And I don't even know if it's still like this now. There's very rich chance it might be. Um, so the process went that we firstly needed to prove that they were my kids. So we had to get DNA evidence that they were mine. And so we actually... Oh, you'll have to remind me about this. We had a genetic testing kit sent from Australia? No. 
No, so we had an embassy-approved person come into the hospital. That's what it and was. And do the test. So it had to be, yeah, it had to be someone that um, Australia would tr- trust. So we had to go through the embassy to organise someone. Oh, we went online. Yeah, we had to do this, all this online paperwork to sort that out. That's right. So that so we had to do that. So you had to prove, do the DNA test. So that took about a week, maybe yeah. a week to do it. Then once that was proven, then the kids needed to get citizenship by descent which then took its own time. But in the process, we need to get passport photos. Now, at that point, was uh, it had been a few years maybe, but it had been a few years when the rules on passport photos had, had come down much harder than it had been before. Uh, like, you know, the thing where they, you said you couldn't smile and your eyes need to be open. I'd, like, obviously, there were always conditions. You couldn't just hand in a random photo of a Muppet, but you had to... Like, it wasn't quite as difficult as it was. But imagine getting a, you know one to two week old to face forward with their eyes open. Like they spent most of the days with their eyes closed. So this was somewhat ridiculous. Yes. And there couldn't be anything in the photo. No hands assisting them, no toys. Nothing could be in the photo other than them with their eyes open, looking straight ahead and presumably not smiling, which probably was the easiest part of it. But then we must have had the lawyers at that point, because I'm pretty sure they sent a guy who took, who was pretty experienced with doing this sort of thing and took the photos. So basically what they did was they had the kids lying on a white hospital bed, like flat sheet. The guy had his hand underneath the sheet, sort of 1800 style, you know, where they have like the kid, the, have you seen those photos where they have the kid who appears to be on his own, but in fact there's his mum, he's sitting on his mum's lap and the mum's covered by a carpet? No, I've never seen that. I'll have to, you'll have to look that up, people. It's hilarious and almost kind of terrifying. Like, you, you think there's a ghost just, like, holding this child up. Anyway, so he had his hand under each child's head to try and get them to face forward. Then a second guy was taking the photo and, you know, uh, what do they call them? Like, multi-shot, where they just take about 300 photos with one click of a button and they managed to find the one. And even then, I'm pretty sure they had to Photoshop at least part of the background so that it didn't... So that it was a nice, clean, white background. It was insane. Yes. Those requirements were quite insane. And also, you know, when we took them through passport control, they were, like, covered in a beanie and sucking on a dummy. So, recognising the difference between two, like, tiny little babies by their passport photos when they're dressed and snuggled up like that, it... Yeah. No one even bothered looking. Like, they might have glanced at the passport, but they didn't ask to look at the babies. Yeah, they didn't look at the babies. And don't get me wrong, and I want we're going to come to this as well, because this is how we do it, people. We jump around a lot. Um, we got treated so well, like, when we were trying to get the kids back into the into the country. So we got through, like, the crew lines, and we're just wandering past these people who've been waiting for ages to get through customs, and we're just like, oh, sorry, young babies, sure, we're the only ones. Yes, yes. And we just went breeze through. It's really quite nice. We kept joking afterwards. We should just bring babies everywhere. Just yeah. get through faster. Um, so, anyway. Um, so, as part of it, we, ha- we engaged some uh, immigration lawyers who were very good. And, I, again, I can't remember who recommended them to us. It might have even been the hospital. Oh, no. You know what? No, it was the, it was the um, IVF clinic. The IVF were oh, okay, the ones yeah. who recommended the immigration lawyers, and they were fantastic. They had a lot of experience helping out Australian couples, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of, of heterosexual and homosexual origin, um, g- you know, get through the process. So they helped us with the paperwork. They told us what we needed to say, what we needed to point out, and they provided us with people to, to help us through the process. They, they Again, they arranged the photos. Um, so then we had to submit the application, and that took about two, I think, two weeks, two, maybe three weeks for the 
citizenship by descent to be approved, and therefore the passports yeah, should probably. be approved. Um, and then, but then here's the thing: we had tickets booked. We we had to get a return flight booked for about a month later. And one of the things that you had to do back then, and I don't even know if you still have to do this now, uh, is that when you when you left the country, you had to provide evidence that essentially you weren't stealing the kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the meeting, so this this meeting that you had to have before leaving the country had to happen within twenty four hours of the departure. So you couldn't have it earlier. Yeah. So you had to have you had to have booked the ticket. And be leaving within like 24 hours. Yeah. But they wouldn't guarantee that they'd see you if you turned up. Yes. And even if you if you if if they saw you and they, 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 they wouldn't guarantee that they'd actually let you out of the country. So you could very well end up in a situation where you have to, you know, de- uh, uh, postpone your departure at the last minute until for such time as the, um, the government approved you. But luckily, we had someone from the uh, from the lawyer's office there with us to a speak the language, but b bribe the officials. No, I don't think he bribed the officials. He, he had money on him because because they were worried that we were going to bribe the officials. They <laughs> didn't want that to happen. So I, I think maybe he just I don't know knew people. Well, anyway, we we managed, we were still there for a number of hours. It wasn't like we could yeah. be broken through the front of the line, um, but we did get seen that day, and it was completely you know quick and can fairly painless terrifying but fairly quick and painless so we managed to leave the day after yeah mm. managed to leave on our flight which was good <laughs> yeah but you know being in india for a month was was interesting so we met this uh this couple who one of them was from israel and the other was from england mm-hmm. um and they were having their their first kid as well and unfortunately their child no sorry they're having the second child no, they were having their first child. Was the first? Okay. Their first was a screamer. And I, I felt so sorry for them because they were having such a hard time. The, the kid just would not sleep. And they were in the apartment across from us. So they were constantly exhausted. But they were also really um, lively people, I guess. Like, they really... We were... You know, Grant and I are already homebodies as it is. And so we were pretty content just being in the hotel room watching movies on repeat. Oh, Sorry, that's another thing I, I, I think I thought found hilarious. So in in our hotel, and I don't know if this is in all of India, I think it might be. Um, TV is scheduled in I think quarters. So every six hours they have a block of things that they will screen on each channel. So it might be some movies, might be some local TV shows, which then gets repeated every quarter. So every six hours you get the same cycle of shows. So I'm pretty sure I watched the X-Men trilogy about three or four times <laughs> on any given night because that's all there was. I thought, oh well, it's nice background stuff and I'm exhausted anyway. Who cares? But um, but this couple, they would often take us out. You know? So we'd, we'd have breakfast in the apartment because breakfast was provided. No, yeah, I'm... you'd have breakfast in the apartment. Me and your mum would go down to like the kitchen to like the well, the dining room and have breakfast. Yeah. Um, because you would just be coming off your night of with the kids. Yeah. Plus, you were antisocial. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but these guys, that you know, they took they they knew all the the best buffets, so they just kept taking us to all these different like buffets and hotels and stuff to have meals. It was really nice. Yeah, they were making the most of being in Mumbai. We were not really. <laughs> no, we were just counting the days before we could leave. Essentially, we did a bit more when we went to um, conceive the children. 
we did a bit more actually looking around Mumbai. Not a lot. Like, we weren't overly touristy. Because we were only there for about a week, weren't we? Not yeah, even. but we went we went for our date out and stuff. Yeah, that time. true. Mm. Uh, whereas this time we probably would have just stayed in the apartment. Because, you know, we had twins and we were very tired. Yes. <laughs> um, but they, they convinced us to go out and it was probably worthwhile. There was some very nice food. Hmm. Um, and we just line all the babies up on like two chairs. We push together into making a fake crib. Oh yeah, I remember that. It was like <laughs> these some... three babies, like this one giant normal sized baby, and these two tiny babies. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, no, that was that was good fun. I remember that was it was some restaurant where we had like these two wicker chairs and yeah, put it together to make a make a pseudo cot. Yeah. And there was mermaid. There was like people dressed as mermaids swimming around in the middle of the buffet. Do you remember that? No, it was like a. Like a pool, like an aquarium, like the aquarium, but there was like people dressed as mermaids in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I remembered these things. <laughs> it was fun. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so we mainly did paperwork. I think you covered most of that. And yeah, we sort of did our schedule. Uh, Paul's mum couldn't stay for the entire time we were there. So I think she went back like a week before the end. But by then we kind of knew what we were doing. Um, I brought a lot of formula over and then we need to use like the underweight formula. So Mm. (laughs) we had plenty of formula and then we had to buy more formula. Um, yeah. So it went reasonably well. Yeah. It was long. And and the thing was, the other thing was the reason why we had booked the tickets, um, at um, the month point, because I actually only was allowed four weeks of annual leave because I was in the final year of my GP training and we're only allowed four weeks but but luckily I had um I had managed to arrange it that I stayed at the same clinic so rather than having to split my two weeks you know in two different halves of the year I could merge them all into the one four week period so the whole time was just a, a, a ticking clock you know <laughs> I had to get back otherwise my training would be all stuffed around yeah so we flew back to Australia on the like so exactly one month after the boys were born so they're born on the 27th of july and we flew on the 27th of august Mm. um and as paul said we got a lot of very good treatment especially um so we flew from mumbai to singapore on a fairly empty plane so we had like air hostesses and air hosts um looking after the babies and walking down the aisle with them and basically anything we needed or wanted yeah and to be clear we didn't ask for any of this there was a point where they were serving meals and they just offered and we're like oh i was all prepared to just leave them in the bassinet and eat but okay great if you want to hold them go for it but this was also the bassinets were underneath air conditioners and as i mentioned earlier we were already learning that the kids did not like air being blown in their direction (laughs) Um, so I think especially, um, Jake, I don't think spent much time in the bassinet, Mm. um, on either flight. Uh, so yeah, we changed, so in Singapore, I think they, yeah, they had someone like look after our bags. So we carried the kids and someone else carried our bags through Singapore airport, like on little train to our next area. And it was lovely. Um, and then we got to go on the plane first and settle ourselves in. Mm. It was unfortunately much fuller flight Singapore to Australia, but that's understandable because Singapore being a, a transit hub, we weren't going to be that lucky. Yes. Uh, but the way we, we were seated, and I can't even remember whether we chose this or not, we were in the middle section, but at either end of the middle section. I think part of that may have been because... Or we were in the middle of the middle section. We may have been in the middle of the middle section because the bassinets were set up to basically be in front of two seats. 
So mm. if you have both the bassinets, technically you've got bass like the babies in front of four people. Okay. Because I think it's designed to have like the mum and dad with the bassinet in front of them, but because we had two kids, um, technically, yeah, we had the bassinets in front of the people next to us as well. Yeah, I remember the the people next to us. We were, I think we we started the flight and we very openly announced to them, we're sorry, we've got two newborns. If you need to change seats, change seats now. One person did. One person did in the end. Um, yeah. Which was, which was fine because he swapped with uh, a nice woman. Wasn't she the one, the really nice... No, I think it was the man. Was he, it the man? He okay. swapped, I think he swapped, the man volunteered to come and sit with us because okay. he had grandkids, I think. Mm. Yeah. Um, and well, sort of we're talking about, and there how... was two more babies as well. Like there was like us in the middle with two babies and there was a baby on like each end. So it was like four babies in a row. <laughs> mm. But little, so we're talking about how Jake was bothered. Little did we know that things were actually brewing in Jake that were going to culminate as soon as we landed basically. But well, no, on the flight. Well, yeah, but we didn't really know what that was, was at the time. We just assumed it was you know, not enjoying the flight. Yeah. So basically Jake started projectile vomiting like he was on the exorcist. Mm, yes. Um, so as I tell people, we left India with a change of clothes for each of us and a change of clothes for each child. Uh, Paul and Matt landed in Melbourne in the clothes they left in and me and Jake had gone through all the clothes, <laughs> all the spare clothes. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was up to my third outfit and so was Jake. Um, because yeah, he was just vomiting everywhere. Mm. Um, and we originally thought it was, um, the plane, but we discovered that he actually, it was not. So the, uh, so being, being a GP, I have a little bit of knowledge of everything and not enough to know <laughs> certainty. But what I discovered through all this was that I have two brains. I have a doctor brain and a parent brain and they don't talk to each other very well. So the doctor brain in me told me that Jake probably had a condition called pyloric stenosis where basically the opening to the stomach, so not, not your mouth, but down further is, um, it gets blocked up. So it just tightens up. And so food can't go down. So not only are you desperately hungry, but you also can't actually get any food into you because it just sits there and then you vomit it back up again. Uh, but my parent brain went, no, stop being a worry wart. Just, you know, it'll be fine. This is just a, a baby thing. You don't know what you're talking about. So uh, we took him to uh, my my supervisor at the time, actually. So myself and my mum both examined and, and reviewed Jake. Both of us kind of went, it, it might be. We're not sure. So Paul's mum's also a GP. I'm not sure we've mentioned that. No, that's true. That's true. So we did that. And then we're talking to my supervisor who said the exact same thing, which is, yeah, okay, it might be. Um, my mum eventually just pulled the trigger and went, nah, stuff this, we're getting an ultrasound. So she managed to organise an ultrasound. Um, near by calling her, in favours. By calling in favours, getting like an urgent one done. And sure enough, we were right. Uh, it was pyloric stenosis. So this was about three days after we got back. Yeah. Yeah. So this so we got back on the Saturday after spending a month in India and then yeah, on the Tuesday um I left um Matt with I think my parents. Possibly. Yeah, I think you were at work. Mm. So I left Matt with my parents and I went with Paul's mum and Jake and we went and got an X ray of his stomach. So X raying a like five week old baby is also fun. Mm. <laughs> uh, but yes, we got we got it basically done because she called in a favour. Um, because yeah, he didn't have the symptoms required to actually get the x-ray. Uh, and then we went to Monash hospital emergency department, 
Um, and she basically said, this is what's going on. And they're like, uh, no, you're just panicking. Uh, and she had the x-ray and everything. And they're like, we'll, we'll try, like, what we're going to do is we're going to rule it out. So then they came back a little bit later and they're like, we tried to rule it out, but we can't because it's exactly what's going on. And we have never seen a child this early in the process. <laughs> because the thing is, what, like when you're not taking anything, you become dehydrated. So normally no one would have panicked for another couple of days and he would look very dehydrated. So all these doctors were like, no, he looks fine. Mm. Um, Because it was only day three. And yeah, parents normally wouldn't have rushed the emergency room that early. And that's that's what happened with me as well. Because I thought, you know, I don't know. I, I hadn't been a parent before. I didn't know what this was. I thought maybe this was a normal baby thing. I know babies vomit. I know babies can be unsettled. So I, I didn't I didn't think much of it, but yeah, it's really it it was quite an internal conflict in terms of deciding what to do. Mm. But obviously, we've well, been seen by three GPs in three days. Mm. Um, two of them very senior, and and you, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, and some of it might have been your mum being a panicky grandma made her do the opposite of what Paul did and actually just assume it was it, and she was right. Mm. So he got admitted and for, I think it may have been two days or so, we had to wait, essentially. So that was when he discovered the dummy and that worked okay. But I do, but Grant and I would then, we swapped where we slept. So we'd sort of, one of us would spend the night at the hospital, then the next day we'd swap over and I'd spend the night at the hospital. And yeah, I, I still remember when, I think you came in, because I think I was still in the ED because I hadn't moved him anywhere yet. And you came in at like the end of the Tuesday. And you said, do you want to, like, go home to Matt or stay here with Jake? And I'd never been apart from them since, like, day two. And I and that was only because they wouldn't let me be with them from day one. Mm. And choosing between your kids, like, choosing which kid to be with was just suddenly this choice that I'd not expected to have to make. Um, and it was, yeah, it was quite an emotional moment. I, you know... Now, almost nine years later, I still think about that. Mm. That moment where I had to make a decision about which child I would be with for that night. Mm. And, you know, it didn't It didn't really matter because, you know, in the morning, I, you know... So I went home to Matt and had a big cuddle with him. <laughs> uh, and then in the morning, I brought Matt in and we spent the day all together in the hospital. And then I stayed that night. It was a nice little chair that folded out into a little bed. Mm. I don't know about you, actually, and I can't remember whether we discussed it, but I had a terrible sleep because it wasn't really sleep because Jake would take the dummy for all of 10 minutes, realise it wasn't food, and then spit it out and cry again. And so I'd basically just spend every 10 minutes putting it back in because I couldn't do anything else. Mm. He was being given IV fluids. They were trying, they were keeping him hydrated and, and as healthy as they could. But essentially they, um, he was just miserable. And so anyone would be if they wouldn't, can't eat. Like it is not a substitute to be fed fluids through an IV comparing, you know, actual food in your stomach. Yeah. But you know, when you have to fast for surgery, when you're five weeks old, no one can explain to you what's going on. Mm. And yeah, it's, yeah, it was a very traumatizing time, I think, for all of us. Maybe with the exception of Matt. <laughs> yeah. Because he just hung out. Uh, and we'd go to, like, the Royal McDonald, like, parent room. 
and everyone would love him because he was a healthy baby and they're all there with their unhealthy babies and like <laughs> he was so popular because he was okay <laughs> mm. but we had a we had some lovely uh co-residents in the the four person room that we we shared with a few other kids and there was um Oh, I can't remember who it was. It might have been the mum or the grandma of one of the other patients. One day just bought all these presents. Oh, the mum. Was it the mum? Yeah. Mm. Bought all these presents for our boys. And... Her name was Jo. Ah, there you go. You have good memory. Because um, her, her daughter was sick, wasn't she? Her son. Oh, You're not man. doing a very good job. No. Terrible memory. Terrible. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she bought them these, these, like, these little flat, these flat teddies, which they have to this day. And, um... I can't look this. She bought him a whole bunch of it. It was beautiful. And yeah, the babies bu- and Because stuff. Um, yeah. I think a lot of women like will knit things and then give them to Royal McDonald House and then they sell them quite cheaply and the money goes to Royal McDonald House. Mm. And because she was um, from a rural town um, and her son had a recurring problem, I can't remember exactly what it was, mm. um, she had been there a lot, like, I think I think um, yeah I think she had two kids who both had chronic conditions, so she was very used to staying um, in Ro- Ronald McDonald House. Was it cystic fibrosis? I think it might have been. Yes, That's what I was okay. thinking. Yeah, I, yeah, I remembered something. Yeah, you remember the, <laughs> not the gender, the family relationship, <laughs> but the diagnosis. Yes, you yeah. remember that. Good. Um, but yeah, so she she was lovely, and she was she was very used to the hospital having been there a lot with her two children. Mm. Um, but yes, but so she was very helpful to us. Yeah, we. I mean, as awful an experience as the condition itself was, I th- I'd say we were treated really well by the people. I think we mm. had some really good medical staff, and um, and again, the, the people and the different kids in our room were all lovely and had lovely families and were all very sympathetic and yeah. And they were because um, he was in the like children's ward rather than the um. Uh, Neonatal. Neonatal. Because you can't go back into the neonatal if you've left the hospital. Mm. Um, because of you might infect the other babies. So mm. the nurses were actually really excited to have a baby to look after. Because <laughs> <laughs> they don't normally get the babies on their ward. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And the... I can't remember... Like, I know there was a girl who came in after us. But I can't remember if there was someone in her bed before. But I don't, rem- I don't remember who they were. I remember her. And she had... Polyps? I have no idea. In her intestine, I think. Sure. Um, and I remember you giving advice to the mum saying that um, all the medical students will want to talk to her, but she can just say, no, I need a rest. <laughs> um, and the fourth patient was a lovely little girl who had a brain tumour. I think it had been removed recently. Um, but she was from a big family, so it was hard for her parents to come in and visit her, mm. which is a bit sad. But yeah, she, she was lovely as well. And then one of your friends ended up in, like, the next ward over. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> With her twins. Yeah. <laughs> Small world. Yeah. But he, he was there because he had a, he was a cleft palate repair. So that yeah. was planned rather than unexpected like ours. Yeah, so in the end, Jake had to have surgery. So at about five weeks of age, he went to surgery for the first time, which mm. uh, was not what we were expecting. <laughs> mm. um, but it all went well. Um, and we were able to take him home. And I think he was in there for Father's Day. <laughs> oh, wow. I yeah. Don't, I don't remember that. Because we got back on the 27th of August. Yeah. And then he was in there for 
Like, yeah, so a couple of days before he went in, and then I think he was in there for Father's Day, or, or got out just in time for Father's Day. Okay. Um, but yes, so that, our first Father's Day was good <laughs> related, <laughs> related to, yeah, the surgery. I think that's probably a good place to end that story. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So thanks for listening. If you had a hospital experience, if your kids have been sick or something significant, let us know. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Atypical Rainbow. Um, download our other episodes if you want to, you know, get a bigger picture about our experience as parents and as gay parents and parents of kids with autism and all the lovely little rainbow spectrum things that we're all about. Uh, yeah, and if you have any questions about surrogacy that we didn't really cover, feel free to send them in and we'll add them into something else. Well, at some point, I would like to probably include people with their own surrogacy stories. Maybe things are a bit more up-to-date than 2011. Um, so if you are interested in being a guest or being interviewed, please also let us know, again, by messaging us on uh, at the Atypical Rainbow on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, so thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again next time.